1: months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Howard leads. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. And your biggest heartbreaks. 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He's uh, going to take it for a touchdown. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Down fleets for the end zone, and he got it. And every Saturday... You tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here.
2: Yo. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, man, <laughs> but this intro has not gotten old to me yet. I'm just, I still get as hype as the first day that we played it. But welcome back, folks, to the Wesson Walker Show. And it is team week, and you're getting a double dose. With the NCSC rivalry renewing itself this weekend at Bank of America Stadium, we're going to bring you the Team Weeks and break down the Tar Heels and the Gamecocks. And so in the one o'clock hours we begin, we're going to talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels and their recent history. Mac Brown is the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels in his second stint in Chapel Hill. And it's been going pretty well for the most part, I would say. During Brown's fourth season and his return to Chapel Hill, North Carolina won nine games, was the ACC Coastal Division champions, and qualified for the Holiday Bowl, the Tar Heels' fourth consecutive bowl trip. They won nine games for just the second time since Brown's first stint in Chapel Hill with 2015 being the other season that that happened. It was North Carolina's sixth nine-win season since 1982 with Brown-led teams accounting for five of those. Carolina also produced a big-time turnaround on the road. They went 6-0 and in true road games, the first time in school history that's happened. UNC and TCU were the only schools across the country with six road wins. The six consecutive road wins are currently tied for the second longest active streak in the country. Also, Carolina snapped a four-game losing streak to Virginia. They defeated Miami for the third consecutive season and defeated a top-10 opponent at home for the first time since 2004. And this marked just the second time since Mac Brown's departure in 1997. That North Carolina finished the season in the top 25. So, safe to say, Mac Brown has been that guy in Chapel Hill. I don't know how many people would agree
3: with you, though, that it was safe to say that. I think so. I think Mac Brown has done a good job of bringing football. Back to a certain degree, especially after you go, what, a combined three wins in the last two years that you had a combined five wins, I should say, three and nine, two and nine in 2017 and 2018 for Larry Fedora. And then you jump to that seven and six record. And I think this is the tough part because Mac Brown exceeds all expectations in 2019. People didn't have Carolina making a bowl game. And then you go seven and six in 2019. The only losses were within one position, uh, one possession. You win the military bowl that year, and then you're off and rolling. So then the second year of Sam, Howe, numbers, a little worse, eight less touchdown passes, a little less total yards passing, but not too much right there. And then in 2021, Sam, Howe gives you the worst season? A lot of that, I think, because the offensive line was worse, but only 24 touchdown passes, nine interceptions and almost 500 less passing yards. Altogether in 2021, we can talk about the rushing attack. But I think as soon as Mac Brown gave you that type of season, you expect to be better the next year and even better the year after that. Well, in 2021, it go six and seven. Last year, you go nine and five, but it was still the bad taste that you have in your mouth because they had a whole month of not winning games. And then they turn in lackluster performance after lackluster performance. As soon as Josh Downs drops that touchdown pass against Georgia Tech, they couldn't right the ship again. So there's always a but. When you talk about Mac Brown having what is a very good second tenure and got started right away, no one had them, at least anybody I talked to, not too many people expected Sam Howe to go off the way that he did. 38 touchdown passes your first year? Come on, man. No one expected that. It's only natural for people to expect North Carolina to move up into a different universe. And then it goes eight and four, six and seven. Yeah, I, I just wonder what the universal I- is. There a universal agreement on Mac Brown because he still seems like a pretty polarizing guy, even from heels fans.
2: Freddie, what do you think about Mac Brown and his success at North Carolina, the season that they had last season, and just the overall uh, recent successes or failures of the program?
4: You know, I think Walker put it best. There's a yeah, but when you talk about Mac Brown, where that was his first time at Carolina his tenure at Texas and now his second time here at, at, at UNC. You look at it on the surface. It's really hard to argue with the results. He's taking you to a New Year's Six Bowl game. But there's, to me, there's a caveat with that because it was in the COVID year where you didn't play a true schedule and not every team in the country played a true schedule. You won nine games a year ago, but you were 9-1 and one at one point with home games to Georgia Tech and NC State, and you lost both of them. And so that's that's the tricky thing. The, the biggest worry for me, because I wanted Mac Brown to get the job when they rehired him. I thought he was the right guy. He's the he's the only guy that I think makes the fan base believe, without a doubt, we can be big time in football because he's gotten us big time in football with his first stint uh, at, at, at Carolina. I don't want him to look back and have any regrets. And I think right now, like if. If he were to walk away, I think he would have regrets because I don't think he accomplished as much as he could have so far.
2: Yeah, and so when you look at the recruiting trail as well, some of the players that he's been able to get, flipping a Drake May from an Alabama, flipping a Sam Howell from Florida State uh, the last three seasons, when you go back and you look at uh, started 2021, they had a top 15 recruiting class according to 24/7 20, Sports, and then the year after that, uh, having the number 11 class. So this is a guy that's definitely been getting it done on the recruiting trail, and I think he brings a great energy to North Carolina. Go ahead. Well, no, I was,
3: I yeah, I was just gonna say with Mac Brown, the next point is when we talk about how polarizing he is. He'll say what's on his mind. You still don't want to take the chance of giving up all that talent that he's able to bring into the university. Because that, that's the school of thought, right? The the old, you know, the the criticism of Mac Brown was he's a great coach to have of your football program until we get to Saturday. You don't want him to be the game day coach. But every other time, it's great because he's the nicest dude in the world because he makes you feel like you're the only person that matters in the world when he's in your living room recruiting you, and that's what matters to the parents who are about to send their kid off to college, and so Mac Brown does that extremely well. For me, who still pulls for Carolina football above all else? I'm going to pull for them against any other college football program out there. For me, I still want to have that chance with all of the talent. The defense, for some reason, it just can't catch up to some of the talent that you expect him to recruit on that side. A Grimes that comes in, you can talk about that being the fault of the coaches, the fault of us not necessarily grading him correctly in the first place, but when you have all of this talent and your defense still is towards the bottom of the league each year, then that's a real problem that you need to try to address, and it hasn't really happened. It was the downfall of what you've had the last couple of seasons, but you still want the open door on the talent, so what are we going to do as Carolina fans? What are you going to do as a heel fan? decide that Mac Brown just isn't doing enough with the talent on the roster and therefore get a new coach or risk getting a new coach and then not have the talent that's on the roster. And that's the tough thing for me. Hey, give me the talent and see if they can just run into new year's six bowl ACC championship. And even beyond that,
4: you know, the thing is, it's not even just the talent that he brings. It's look at the money. Look at all the changes that that have that have come to Keenan Stadium. You know, they're, they're renovating their their locker room again. They're adding to their facility again. They're going to debut a new LED light show this year which is going to be among the best in the country. It's going to be lit, you might say. You you could say mm-hmm. that. Is is that happening with with other head coaches? The answer to that question is probably no. And this is like, you know, th- th- and this is where you know Flounder and I really disagree on. Like this is our best chance i don't think there are many other coaches that could come to this job and understanding that you're not going to be the first priority on campus you are going to play second fiddle to the basketball program and rightfully so but he can still get the money he can still get the talent he's got relationships with coaches around the country and so that's the biggest reason why i don't want to look back and say man what if and right now that's what's going to happen because you got to a new year's six bowl game guess what you got beat you got to an ACC championship game. Guess what? You got ran off the field. I, I, I want to look back at Mac Brown 2.0 and smile about it, and not go, "What if... dot 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 gone differently?"
2: Because when you look at the double-digit seasons that they've had as far as wins go since Dick Crum was roaming the sidelines, they've had four seasons with double-digit wins, and three of those came from Mac Brown. I mean, Mac Brown, as I said, has been the man for North Carolina, but yeah, you do want to see, especially last season, the way they started the year, you hated to see the way that they faltered down the stretch. I mean, this was a program that you looked at and you were like, man, what are the possibilities? Could they creep in uh to a a a big, big bowl game when you talk New Year Six, uh outside of the loss to Notre Dame. Other than that, they go on a roll, and then they lose games that a lot of people looked at and said that they weren't supposed to lose those football games. Like Georgia Tech, I remember watching that game, and I was sitting there like, okay, this is an anomaly as far as what the end result was. But when the game started, I'm like, okay, i take care of business. Even when they started slow, you're thinking that they're going to run – Uh, rough shot over Georgia Tech, and then NC State as well. You're thinking, okay, Carolina, they lost last week, they'll be angry, they'll come out and take care of business, lose that game in double overtime before going to Clemson to take on, I mean, before going to Charlotte and taking on the Clemson Tigers, because you remember when we talked about that, we were saying that this had, that ACC championship game had the ability to be maybe the biggest one ever if Carolina takes care of their business down yeah. the stretch. You were looking at a top 10 matchup with all of the the sexiness of the quarterbacks and, and, and the teams playing and the brands and all of that stuff and with Drake May possibly even having a trip to New York in the works and then it all just fell apart down the stretch. Think about how much
3: think about how deflated that felt. You are talking about The highest of highs that you could really experience, the chance to beat Clemson in Charlotte for the ACC championship, the possibility that Drake May is in real contention for a Heisman trophy because I went over those stats. I remember it at the auto show when we were out there on remote. He was on pretty crazy territory. You're discussing among the best QBs we've seen in college football history and then anybody in a Mike Leach system that were amassing the kind of yardage that Drake May was going with. Drake May was going to be the first Outside of a couple Clemson guys and then the Mike Leach QBs to have that kind of yardage. And then it all just came crashing down because he wasn't rushing for nearly as much. He wasn't throwing for nearly as much. They weren't winning football games anymore. And so it was a real letdown at the end of the season. A couple of points I want to make with Mac. The staff, you're always going to want to be very good. Because if we're talking about that, of course, duh, right? For any college football program. But especially for a guy like
4: Mac. Because he's a CEO type of guy.
3: Exactly. So, Is Chip Lindsey going to be able to get the job done with Drake May, the best QB that you've ever had in your school's history? Maybe Sam Howe more accomplished, but as far as just a pure talent standpoint, going to be hard to argue with Drake May. So you want your staff to be really good, and you finally want somebody to have a defensive coordinator that's able to allow this talent to reach whatever its ceiling is. The other thing is, this is one where maybe Matt can actually pull this one off. Everybody's saying this is going to be the best you ever reach, and I agree with you, Fitty, for the most part. But Mac has showed you that he can even get a better QB than Sam Howe. Crazy to think about. Like if you were to say Drake May is going to be better than Sam Howe at that time, it was going to be it was going to be hard to buy. Mm. And he did it. So if Mac Brown is still going to be on these sidelines for the next however many years, and he's already done it once. Does he do it again where he gives you a QB that doesn't even have to be as good as Drake may, but can he give you a good QB to the point where, all right, He's shown an ability to replenish at the most important position in all of football, and they're going to give you a shot. Maybe he can do that. If they replenish after Drake May, that will be the second time he has replaced a monumental QB at this university. And if he does, then you're just going to start feeling good every single year, just like you do because of this talent that he recruits.
2: All right, so real quick before we go to break, though, what type of grade would you put on Max Tigner thus far in his? second stint in carolina i'll start it off i'll say i give him a b plus i think as far as just facilities things that he needed to take care of got them to an acc championship game got them back uh you know when you talk about the relevancy whether you talk about social media or him coming out making the comments that he makes uh carolina gets into the news they get into the consciousness and he's doing a really good job of recruiting so i give him a b plus
3: b plus seems right the only other one would be B. Would you want to knock it down just a little bit because of the letdowns? You're talking about a six and seven season in 2021
2: yeah, and one and three in bowl games.
3: the The offensive line, I talked myself into it. Give me a B. Give me a B. But you know, he, <laughs> that's okay sometimes. But I think that's the grade I'm going to go with. Yeah, what do you? What, do you, what you about got? you,
4: Fetty? Yeah, no, I'm at a B. You know, the if if last year ends different, you got double digit wins, maybe it's a B plus, maybe even an A minus. You lost at home to NC State with a fourth-string quarterback. My God.
2: <laughs> I'm it's shocked a- that it was that high. It's I a- thought with the way Fitty talks, it was going to be Oh, Okay, rough. look,
4: I'm hard on him because, I mean, like, I remember that introductory press conference, and I thought, by God, we're going to do some big-time things. <laughs> and then I walked out of that stadium when they lost to Georgia Tech. I walked out of many losses under Larry Fedora. That's the most deflated I've ever felt as a UNC football fan. It's a tough one.
1: the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Howard please He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. And your biggest heartbreaks. The 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Leo, he's for a touchdown. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Down, sleep for the end zone, Eddie. Got it. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here.
2: Yo. There's the bell sound. We come back. It is team week on the West and Walker Show, and we are talking about the Tar Heels of North Carolina and their offense that will be under new leadership. Chip Lindsey enters the fray. This is his first year as an offensive coordinator. North Carolina returns eight starters on offense, including you-know-who, Mr. Drake May. And when you look at their 2022 stat rankings from the ACC last year, they were third in scoring. They were number one in touchdown scored. They were number one in total offense. They were second in the league in average yards per play, third in pass efficiency, first in pass completion percentage. This was a prolific passing unit, folks. They were eighth in turnover margin, first in first downs, third in third down offense, number one in first downs passing. But perhaps one of the biggest worries that North Carolina fans should have This season, they were 12th in sacks against. That is not very good. And four offensive linemen return from that same unit for the Tar Heels. Enter Chip Lindsey. He's overseen offenses that have averaged at least 30 points per game in eight of his 11 seasons as a full-time staff member at the collegiate level. He came to Chapel Hill after one season as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at UCF. And while he was there, the Knights had an offense that was 26th nationally and scoring 11th in total offense and 8th in rushing offense. And before that, he was at Troy for three seasons. During his second season, Troy was 21st nationally and second in the Sun Belt in passing yards per game. And most importantly, when you talk about those sacks against, maybe he can help shore up that offensive line with his scheme because in that season at Troy, line ranked third nationally in pro football-focused pass-blocking efficiency ratings, allowing just nine sacks, six quarterback hits, and 45 hurries for 60 total pressures in that second season that he had at Troy. So we'll see if he can help out the North Carolina offensive line. But again, like I said, you know the key personnel. Drake made 45 big-time throws last season, according to To PFF, that was the most in the FBS by a wide margin. The skill set, the skill players. J.J. Jones returns. He's going to be big time for them. Nate McCollum also out there has joined them as well. We'll wait and see on Tez Walker. And the Hills. also have to try to find some consistency at the running back position to which they have a great room uh, full of young talent.
3: All right. So if we focus, let's go players and scheme, Right players are going to be interesting because you don't have Josh Downs anymore. You don't have Antoine Green anymore. You do have some receivers that you feel decent about stepping up, but Tez Walker was one of them and we don't know if he's going to play and now here we are the week of the season opener, a pretty big one on a neutral site in Charlotte. So you're going to have a lot of fans on both sides. You're going to have a lot of South Carolina fans and North Carolina fans in attendance at Bank of America Stadium and you don't know if you have what was thought to be a pretty big wide receiver and how he's going to be in the mix this year. I have no clue. And Fiddy, just to get an update, there's nothing, right? Like, do we know how good or bad we feel about Tez Walker possibly coming back before the season opener?
4: Uh, There's a very good chance they can find out during warmups if he's allowed to play or not. And they're operating like that. They've installed a game plan or they're installing a game plan with him and a game plan without him. And they're going to bring his equipment on with them to Charlotte in case they find out moments before if he can play or not. All right. So how
2: dramatic is that
3: <laughs> game time decision <laughs> for the NCAA deciding? Uh, all right. We'll decide go on not and to play be like your parents will tell
2: you on a Saturday. Go on outside and play. So
3: it's all about if the weapons can step up and Drake may having a year under his belt. You would hope that that's kind of the idea, right? Each player gets better each year that they're in college football or the NFL, whatever. It often doesn't work like that. In fact, we could just go to the previous QB when the stats go down every single year for Sam Howe. Freshman year was statistically the best season that he had, and then the next season was worse, and then the season after that was even worse than what he did in the first season. So hopefully that's not the case for Drake May. He still pulls everything off to be at least the second player or QB off of the board behind Caleb. Williams and these guys can step up in a way that mitigates the loss of a Josh Downs. And you mentioned it, Wes, you know, former offensive lineman like yourself. You talked about how the big boys up front are going to be vitally important this year.
2: Oh, they're going to be super important because you're going to protect the prize that is Drake May. He is the key to the offense. And so when you look at this unit, and who the top targets will be, it's got to be J.J. Jones at this point because this is a guy that brings the size to the table, 6'2 two hundred and ten 210 pounds. He had 24 catches for 434 yards. He was second on the team with over 18 yards per catch. And then Nate McCollum, he is a speed merchant with – The Yellow Jackets in 29 games, he had 75 receptions for 778 yards and four touchdowns. But this was a Georgia Tech offense heavy on the run. You know how the Yellow Jackets give it up. And so uh, these are guys that are going to have to step up because you don't know if Tez Walker is going to be able to play. But also when you go and take a look at this rushing attack, uh, this is a team that's definitely going to be looking for that to be able to take some of the heat off of Drake May so that he doesn't have to be running out of the pocket all of the time British Brooks returns after missing all of last season and I know that they're excited about him returning Elijah Green their leading rusher from last season he's back as well 558 yards rushing at eight scores he had and also Amari and Hampton 401 yards and six touchdowns he had. So they've got capable backs as a team. They rushed for 4.2 yards per carry last season. And the thing is, too, is that a lot of people talked about how teams started to catch up to the Tar Heels as the season went on, and that might have been their demise. Because when you look at Drake May, over the first 10 games, over 3,400 yards passing, 34 touchdowns to three interceptions, also tack on 584 yards rushing with five scores. But over the final four games, 909 passing yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions, 114 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So big discrepancy there as far as just having those gaudy numbers, because if you look at that over 10 games, he had 34 and actually 39 total touchdowns. That's almost four per game over the final four games. You like to see him at that average, but only six total touchdowns over the last four games. So that's something that Carolina will have to be able to uh, keep him consistent throughout the season because he didn't finish it on a high note. All right, so
3: despite having what is probably the second-best quarterback in all of college football, Mac Brown has made it very clear they want to emphasize the run game this season. Here's Mac Brown talking about just that.
1: So we've talked about running the ball the last two years. We haven't.
4: That's a goal we didn't get accomplished because we didn't really commit to it. We've talked about stopping
1: the run, and now you're not going to get off the field if you let them run for five yards on first down and three yards on second down. Everybody going to go for third and fourth down with analytics. It's just a new thing. So
4: you've got mm-hmm. to stop the run on first down. So I've told Coach Chiswick uh, don't talk about the goals, man. Commit to it and stop them. And if we have to put
1: 13 on the line of scrimmage to stop the run and have them throw it over <laughs> our head, go congratulate them if they hit it. But I want the run stopped. So that
4: is our goal and
3: we are committing to stop. All right, so you start to hear more commitment to stopping the run than actually running the football. But if you hear the beginning of that soundbite, it was that they wanted to run the ball more. The offensive coordinator Drake May, Mac Brown relationship all across the board is fascinating because it gets even more fascinating when you include Phil Longo. Mac Brown pretty frustrated the last 2 years. Phil Longo was your play caller. What did Mac Brown say at the beginning of that sound clip? We talked about running the ball a lot more effectively in a lot more period, but we didn't do it the last two years. Well, guess what? Phil Longo isn't the offensive coordinator anymore. So Mac Brown, 10 days after Longo was dealt with, he goes and finds somebody that likes running the football a lot. You talked about all of those running backs. They got five guys returning and a lot of them, maybe three, four, maybe even all five, all of them are capable. So are they going to lean heavily on the run game to the detriment of of drake may's stats because Wes, we've talked about the ACC QB that has the best chance to end up in new york city in the heisman voting and i kind of shrugged my shoulders I, I i know jordan travis is very good at florida state i perhaps dismissed him a little too early but i thought it was pretty clearly drake may because of all the stats he accumulated last year the more you start to pay attention to what chip lindsey likes to do especially with his offense at troy you can see the gus malzahn influence heavily felt And some people argue that he might even lean a little too heavily on the run. Not according to Matt Brown, though because Mac Brown's been wanting to run the football a lot more, and that's why a lot of people were upset with Longo, not picking up yardage in short yardage situations, trying to have extensions of the run game, but not actually running it by running a million bubble screens. He'd probably call a screen to Ian Thomas, your boy, just like you got upset <laughs> with Carolina and Frank Reich doing that. The offensive coordinator spot with Chip Lindsey in here now compared to Phil Longo and the marriage with Drake May, it is going to be fascinating to watch, dare I say, maybe even the most Interesting offensive coordinator QB pairing that we have in the ACC, even more so than Kate Klumnik and Garrett Riley, even more so than Robert Anai and Brennan Armstrong. Because, Wes, I just have so much faith in Garrett Riley to figure it out. We've seen Anai and Armstrong before. Lindsey and the second best QB in the country? I don't know. Are you going to take the football out of his hands a little bit more so? That's what's going to be fascinating.
2: Well, I think it will definitely help take some of the punishment that he could potentially take off because this was a North Carolina program that was fifth in the ACC last season in rushing attempts. And Drake may had 184 attempts. Granted, they weren't all designed runs, but they want to cut that, that total down when you talk about attempts by a long margin. And the way that you can do that is by having guys – And sticking to the run as well, because I know it's easy to get caught up in the Drake May hype, wanting him to get his numbers, wanting him to throw it all over the park. I mean, I would, too, if I had a quarterback that was completing 66 percent of his throws and threw for 4,300 yards. But that's going to be a key uh, point of emphasis for them is to develop a consistent running attack, because, frankly it helps in in pass blocking as well when you get to soften up those defensive linemen by pounding on them and mauling them just a little bit but also when you talk about a quarterback like Drake May it just opens up the game so much more when he's got an effective rushing attack when you have to worry about that I mean could you imagine what he would have done if he would have had Javante Williams and And Carter and that crew with Drake May with the way that that he can play the game. So uh, it's going to be definitely a a point of emphasis for the Heels, and they need to be able to get that done. And uh, I think it would make Drake even more efficient.
3: So here we are talking about the relationship between the OC and the QB. Well, Chip Lindsay has made it very apparent that Drake May himself is going to have a big role in the way UNC's offensive coaches devise the game plan, quote, for the game, Gamecocks. Here's Chip, Lin- Chip Lindsey, a quote from him directly. Your quarterback is heavily involved in the game plan. I don't want to call plays that the quarterback does not want. At the end of the day, if I like a play and think it's a good play, but Drake May doesn't feel confident in the play or doesn't feel great about seeing it, then we throw that out. So I want to go to you, Viddy, because I know you're not the biggest fan of Chip Lindsay coming over as the offensive coordinator, despite some stops, especially with the heavy Gus Malzahn influence. You even have a relationship between him and Todd Munkin. So you have some names there. The name relationship is pretty big, but here we are allowing Drake May, still a younger QB, to have some kind of role in the offensive game plan. How do you feel about that and Chip Lindsay as a whole?
4: Yeah, no. The the hire was one of the more underwhelming hires across college football, considering the talent that Drake May is, the offensive skill position talent that that does reside in Chapel Hill. You should be able to go and get a coordinator who, at his last two major stops, didn't have his play calling duties stripped away from by, by Gus Malzahn, and that's what happened with Chip Lindsey. Um, in terms of deferring to Drake May having a heavy influence in, in your game plan, like it makes a lot of sense. But he's not a play caller. And so if, if you have confidence in a play and your quarterback doesn't have confidence in a play, you got to like, that's why you're the coach and he's the player. Like call the play. They they need to execute the play. If it doesn't work, okay, then you you don't go back to it. But you can't go in there pretty much saying, I'm going to do everything that you want to do because you're a player. You're not seeing the same things I'm seeing up top in a box.
2: Uh, mm, I kind of agree with that, but then I don't agree because Drake May with his football IQ and the way that he plays the game, I think that's the type of respect they have for – uh, his vision and the way that he plays the game out there. So I don't really have an issue with them. A lot of coordinators go over the game, playing with their quarterback, what they like, what they don't like. And so uh, I'm okay with that.
3: Yeah. I, I like the open approach. Cause it does make sense. Why would I call a play that my quarterback doesn't feel comfortable with? But I also agree with you, right? Like you do want to call the right play that you feel comfortable enough to say Drake, This is your second year starting in college football. I'm going to go ahead and call this because of my experience over the past decade being involved with bright offensive minds and running an offense that has been successful, I have been a part of. And the last thing, too, when you're talking about Chip Lindsey coming over and Drake May having some of this say, remember this offseason, plenty of suitors for Drake. No doubt about it. Player empowerment. When you talk about, (laughs) hey, Drake, look. Why don't you come on board here? Now stay, stay in North Carolina, and we're going to give you a lot of money. Don't worry about that. But also, we're going to allow you to even be a play caller while you move up to the next level in the NFL. Yeah, I I wonder if some of this is paying the piper with some of the promises you had this option.
2: Oh, no doubt about it. Like you said, you hit it right on the head, man. It's player empowerment time, and to be able to keep a guy like Drake May, you definitely want to give him that freedom and a little
5: bit of <laughs> Stay control. away, Bama. Yeah. Stay away. We're going to give him coaching duty.
1: the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Howard leads, he has it, touchdown Carolina. And your biggest heartbreaks. 50, no he's not, yes he is, Theo, take it for a touchdown. It's the option at Georgia Tech, it's Howard's Rock, the smoke in Miami, down, leaps for the end zone and he And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. Welcome back,
2: folks. It is a football Friday. The bells of war are ringing. And this is the Wes and Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Team Week concludes Overall, and for North Carolina and South Carolina, as we now have Anthony Pagnata, or you may know him as Flounder, or as we know him, Big Flizzle, Fleazy, whichever way we decide to
3: say it. I don't it, think okay. I ever call him the same thing twice in a row. It's always different. I
2: prefer it that way.
3: That's good. I like it. <laughs> Big Fleazy.
2: Hit us up on a text line, 704 570 Hit up those socials, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, the Weson Walker page on Twitter and West Bryan underscore 72. At Walker Mail and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram as well. And Flounder, what are your socials, man? Drop that for the people.
6: At HTB Anthony. I don't put the underscore in there because uh, I don't need it. I'm just that good. Well, look, <laughs> I,
3: I had to. The underscore sucks. I hate it, but I have it in one of my emails. The problem is now I've had it so long that I just never wanted to change it because, there. believe it or not, another person out there in the world had Walker Mail at Yahoo. And so now I was like, all right, so now I got to go with another underscore and put it in there. You know, underscore suck, but sometimes it's
2: necessary. <laughs> all right, Flounder. So let's talk Tar Heels, man. And, and starting with this offense, we know all about Drake May and what he brings to the table. The Tez Walker decision has yet to come down yet. So out of these receivers, who do you think is going to be the guy, whether it be J.J. Jones, Nate McCollum? Who do you think steps up? if Tez Walker cannot go this season.
6: So if you asked me that two weeks ago, I would have told you his name, McCollum, no questions asked. I mean, you saw what he did last year at Georgia Tech uh, in an offense that is just not built to throw the football. I know they're trying to get away from the triple option. They've been trying to do that for, what, five or six years now? And it still hasn't worked. But the numbers that he put up last year, uh, you know, they they were the best that a wide receiver has put up there since DeAndre Smelter was there, most catches since Calvin Johnson was there. So he's a guy that's more than capable of doing that in an offense that fits him a little bit better. But if I had to go with one guy, I'd I'd say it's Kobe Pesor. I I just think you look at the three games that he started. uh, Yeah, I mean, you look at the three games that he started a year ago and he he was the Tar Heels leading receiver in each one of those games. They've said that they've been working on him, sort of trying to refine his route running skills a little bit more, which I thought they were pretty exceptional to begin with. And they've been working on him, you know, trying to catch the ball away from his body. Um, I, I thought last year, one of the biggest, probably the I mean, the, is it the biggest highlight catch that Carolina had? Maybe the one that Josh Downs had where he scores against Miami. But that diving grab that Paysor had against Georgia State is, I mean, was just an amazing catch. I, I think this dude is the real deal. I think he's going to get a good opportunity this year because at this point, I don't think Tez Walker is probably going to be there for Carolina. So I think that's your guy, Kobe Paysor.
5: All
2: right, so. Talking about this offensive line, third worst in the ACC last season. And when you talk about sacks allowed, they give up 40 on the year. Four of those guys are back. And so how worried are you with a quarterback like a Drake May with an offensive line and gave up so many sacks last year? Do you feel like that that is? And we know that that's always a key to football, the offensive line. But are you very worried about this unit and their improvement for this year?
6: That might be an understatement. Uh, Yes. (laughs) I mean, this this group and it has to paranoia. It has to sort of be a, a little bit you have to be paranoid about it because you look at the offensive line that you had the last two years, and it just hasn't been good enough. Now last year, I thought first 10 games of the year, you were solid. You were average. You did a good job of protecting your guy for the most part, but down the stretch of the season, especially when you started playing some guys uh, that, you know, made it to the NFL, like Keon white and that Georgia tech defensive front. When you started going up against state, who has a lot of talent along that defensive front, that's where you started to see that unit sort of fall apart. And I've heard you know, from a lot of people here recently that they are not happy at all with where the offensive line is at right now. So there's a lot of concern. That's a big part of the reason why I think, you know, I don't know how many points the Tar Heels offense is going to put up in the game on Saturday because I just don't know how well they're going to be able to protect Drake May. They're better in, in terms of run blocking. But at the same time, I think that's probably, I mean, overall, that might be your biggest concern on the entire team because the D-line, the talent's there. The secondary, the talent's there. The offensive line, I don't
2: really know about that. All right, right that but is, I was being biased, Carolina fans. Well, uh,
3: I think he probably has them winning more than six games, though, I would imagine. I'm just saying. Right? They, Am
2: I right about that? I mean, I
6: have them winning nine, possibly ten. I was on the fence right, with so the Pittsburgh game, so... Sure.
3: All right. So I had them losing against Pittsburgh. So we were in agreement <laughs> there as far as trying to figure out what was going to happen against Pittsburgh. I'm going to run a couple of North Carolina takes by you, Flounder, okay. And then okay. you tell me, you don't have to tell me if they're fire or fizzle. I believe Wes has that trademarked. We're still pending. Yeah, I don't
6: think I'm allowed to use that.
2: That's uh, fine.
3: <laughs> you can just tell me if it's uh, uh maybe. Hot or not? Maybe flizzle, right?
2: We, we can do that. <laughs> oh, I like that.
3: All right. So you tell me if it's fire or flizzle here. Uh, okay. The, the big surprise in the ACC this weekend. I put UNC's defense will hold Spencer Rattler to under 250 passing yards, just like Notre, right? So 246 against Notre Dame. And then he had the two monster performances against Tennessee and Clemson. I don't believe in South Carolina's interior offensive line. You talked about the talent on the D line. They have the weapon in Juice Wells. That's a monster. People are discussing Trey Knox this tight end where he's only had 28 receptions once, and that's the most he's ever had in his college career. That was his freshman season. I just could see North Carolina with the talent putting it together a little bit, enough to hold a very inconsistent QB below 250 in a way that not many people expect. Is that take Flizzle?
6: I I would say it's it's pro- probably slightly. I will.
3: <laughs> I love that we're using that. <laughs> I will say.
6: I, I will put it this way. It's I think blizzle. they could hold them to under 300. I could see that because I do think that this secondary is better than a year ago. I know people are going to find that hard to believe. Um, you're, you're saying, well, you got an FCS guy that's coming in there. You've got guys that have transferred from other ACC schools. So it, how good can this unit really be? Last year's unit was about as bad as you can be in terms of a pass defense. I know they had talent. There's a lot of people that are freaking out. Well, they don't have Storm Duck and Tony Grimes. Anybody that says that, they did not watch that this football team play last year. Storm Duck allowed over 600 yards receiving in coverage, which was inside the top 10 of the most allowed in the country. And Tony Grimes was as inconsistent as a got. So I think the unit would be better. I would say he probably gets over 250. If anything, Walker probably because they throw the ball so much. I don't think I I will put it this way, I think Carolina's run defense in this game will be outstanding. I don't think South Carolina will be able to run the ball at all. I think they'll have to go air raid, but I think Radler's probably talented enough to be able to throw for over two fifty.
2: I was going to say, too, off of the back of that, if they are able to shut down the run, how much better is this Carolina pass rush going to be? Only 17 sacks last season. Is this the year Desmond Evans finally puts it together? Or if not, who on that defensive line steps up? Because 17 sacks is not going to get it done.
6: Yeah, I mean, I hope so, man. I, I, I think... I mean, I watched Des Evans, I watched him in high school, and I thought, man, this dude, there's there's a lot of traits there. The thing that's weird is when I watched him in high school, I saw a guy that played with a lot of physicality. You don't see that. You haven't seen that at Carolina. So I don't know if it's just been the learning curve for him. Um, I, I think one thing I will say is it was interesting hearing him talk A a few weeks ago, he said coming off the injury, he had to take a little bit of a different mindset because it was the first time he had ever been injured in his career. And I I think he realizes, look, I'm running out of time here. He could have a COVID year if he wants it next year. I, I don't... I don't think if he doesn't perform this year, I don't think Carolina is going to wait to move someone over him. Bo Atkinson's been playing well here in in the fall. And same thing with Jacoby Cowan. Both of those guys, Mac Brown said you'll see them out there on Saturday night. So I think he needs to step up. But overall for the D-line, yeah, I think there's a chance that they take a step forward. I like the talent in that room. Um, I, I just, to me, it's been a developmental problem. But they bring in Ted Monachino as an assistant he's not a guy that can actually coach him on the field it's one of those like i don't even know what the unpaid liaison if you will something like that so he's coming in he's going to help i think with some of the pass rushers i think cayman rucker he's going to get more snaps this year i think he's able to take a step forward i love javari ritzy I don't understand how he's not considered a starter, how they even list him as an or that dude was outstanding against the run. So I like him. And then miles Murphy. I mean, you know, this Wes. miles Murphy coming into last year, I mean, he wasn't talked about as much as the other Miles Murphy, but a lot of people thought he could take a step forward sure. from the year that he had the year before. They they thought he could be a breakout guy. He didn't. He really took a step back. I think he can recover this year. So I like that defensive line. I think there's talent there, but it's kind of a wait and see with them as well.
3: I like Flounder going Ron Jaworski. I've watched 52 hours of film on Des Evans, and this is why I think, yeah, I love Ron Jaworski. Flounder style. I want to know if you've been watching a lot of film of Chip Lindsay offense in the past because new offensive coordinator here, Mac Brown, has been begging to run the football more. Kind of took a shot at Phil Longo with some comments. He's like, Yeah, I've been asking a little bit. I've been asking to run the football, and it just hasn't happened. So I was like, Okay, if your play caller isn't running the football doesn't seem like a so indirect insult or indirect uh, uh, criticism hurled his way. It seems like, yeah, Phil Longo wasn't running it. What do you expect from Chip Lindsey? And are you excited about what you anticipate?
6: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely warmed up to the hire. When they first made it and I looked at his track record, I said, dude, you're talking about a guy the last two places he's been replaced as the play caller. Now, the thing is, is that if you look, both of those stops were with Gus Malzahn. I don't really know a ton about Gus Malzahn to say that anything confidently, but I could see Gus Malzahn being that guy that kind of wants the spotlight for himself, wants to call his own offense because, I mean, he's done it before. So right. I, I I think this is one that the, the he has bonded really well with Drake May, which I think bodes very well for Carolina. As you mentioned, Mac Brown wants to run the ball more, has wanted to run the ball more. Chip Lindsey's offenses, I mean, they they do that. We know that they do that. That's what they've really had to thrive on because, frankly, if you look back, he really hasn't had great quarterback play um, in his time as an offensive coordinator. Now he does, though, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, do you get tempted? Because it's, it's, it's understandable if you get tempted to say, hey, I got a guy that's going to probably go one or two in the NFL draft next year. I want to let him spin it. But especially first game of the year and some of the other games that they're going to have along the way, I think there'll be teams that are vulnerable to this, too. You have to run the football. You got the talent in that room. Your offensive line can't pass protect. Run the damn ball. I'm not, I'm not saying that mantra
3: is wrong. It's just so funny to hear that, hey, we got to take the football out of our best players' hands more often. I mean, it's just a weird line. I'm with you. It helps. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just at the same time, you are saying we got to take the ball out of his hands more often, even though it is going to set up a lot of other things for the offense. But it's a weird line to try to play and be so adamant about when you have the number two pick in the NFL draft. The thing
6: is that you got to look at is look at even late last year. I mean, the amount of time. I mean, they, they did not run the ball really at all. In yeah. the final four games of the year, there were times they just completely abandoned it. So not only are are you having the snaps where Drake is dropping back and throwing all the run, like they did not design runs for him. He pretty much led the team in rushing because he had to scramble at times and just take off and make something happen. I think the thing that you want to do, especially in this game on Saturday, run the football and set up your passing game. Open up the stuff down the field. Make them come up into the box and tr- have to try to stop the run. Because South Carolina is not a good run, run defending team. I mean, they they allowed almost 200 rushing right. yards a game last year. So that's the strategy that you got to take if you're Mac Brown, Chip Lindsey, and this offense. I, I think. And and the frustrating part, you've got the running backs. This might be the deepest room on your entire team. So utilize it.
2: That was Anthony Pagnata joining us to close out team week for North Carolina. Does it count saying this on the Body Works Plus guest hotline when it's Flounder? Via Via Planted Kia Studios.
3: Let's give two sponsors a shout out. That That's how, look, he's a money man, old Flounder is. And so
2: let's go ahead and Straight shout out a couple fair, sponsors. Homie. Let's give them that, man, Flounder. Tell them where they can find you at on social media yet again.
6: Yeah, at HTB Anthony. Uh, that's my Twitter feed. Uh, also, guys, make sure you check out the Heel Top blog page on Facebook. Also, check it out on Twitter. Just at Heel Tough Blog and uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Heel Tough Blog Podcast for me, Four Corners Podcast for the basketball side of things, uh, so you don't miss any of our great additions to the podcast.
2: That's what's up. That's a money man right there. He got all the plugs yeah. in, he told you about everything they've got going on.
5: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
1: It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Howard leads. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. And your biggest heartbreaks. The 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Theo. He's going to take it for a touchdown. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Down sleep for the end zone and... <laughs> And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here.
2: The bells are ringing, folks, and we are that much closer to North Carolina and South Carolina getting it on at the bank on Saturday. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ Team Week continues. We continue to break down the North Carolina Tar Heels and the South Carolina Gamecocks, but we are going to kick things off today talking about the North Carolina defense, a unit that needs a lot of work, to say the least. They have seven defensive starters that are returning, headlined by linebacker duo Cedric Gray and Power Echols out of Chambers High School. Had to throw that out there, but this unit, When you talk about 2022 ACC ranks, they were last in total defense and scoring defense, giving up almost 450 yards per game and around 31 points per game. Last in rushing defense, last in pass efficiency defense, last in pass defense, second to last in interceptions, second to last in fumble recoveries. They were 12th and third (laughs) down defense. I mean, the superlatives are definitely not present. Was that unit good last year, Wes? Not at all. Okay. Last sure. in sacks in the ACC, first downs as well, ninth in red zone defense. So you get it, folks. This defense needs a definite overhaul. When they talked to big-time All-ACC linebacker, All-ACC linebacker Cedric Gray, he said, quote, last year we just knew what to do. We didn't know why we were doing it or how we were going to do it. He said, I think that's very important to know those things because it gives you a better understanding of what you're trying to do what to expect, and how to accomplish it. That's what he said to the Tar Heel Times. When you look at the personnel that they have returning, we talked about the returning starters and talking about Cedric Gray and Power Eccles, who combined for 248 tackles between them, 17 tackles for loss on the season. On the inside, and in, Rucker is the dog for them on The defensive front seven as well. The defensive line, to be more specific, he had seven tackles for loss and three and a half sacks. And they are led by Gene Chizik, the defensive coordinator. He returned to North Carolina for his second stint on January 8th of 2022 after spending uh, some time away. But in the two seasons in his first stint at North Carolina, 2015 to 2016, he turned around a unit that ranked number 120 in yards per game that season and they were the most improved power five defense in 2015 averaging 14 and a half points fewer per game than they had given up the previous season so they're hoping to replicate that and get this defense on track to help out drake may and his heisman campaign the more they can get him the ball back the more points he can put on the board this
3: is a team that went to the acc championship last year ranking last in all of the acc defensive categories and by the way even as even if it's a little crazy to say you mentioning all of the last place finishes that they had in the acc last year probably doesn't do it justice because it's not like they were good even when you just go to all of the college football ranks out there if you go back to what they did last season They were 128th, 116th. They were the 116th worst program out of 131 football subdivision teams, allowing 437 yards per game. So when you're talking about even within the ACC, it doesn't even do them justice in a bad way where they were towards the bottom in all of college football. So here's the question they get to the acc championship game last year with a high potent offense despite not even loving some of the stuff we saw from phil Longo. and they want to run the football more and they think that might be able to help their defense so is this a case where you're asking them to not be last place in every one of these categories can they still be below average and that be good enough or can this does this defense have to be average Do they just have to stop every once in a while, okay? Can they be in the middle in the ACC? Can they be in the middle in all of college football? And could that be enough? to allow Carolina a shot at winning the ACC championship or just, yeah, getting to second place again like they did last year before they got beat down by Clemson. That's my question. What do you think, Wes? Do they have to get to at least an average level on that side of the ball before you can truly compete for an ACC championship?
2: Yeah, I think so, especially with the fact that they're not in the Coastal anymore. There are no more divisions. So now it's going to be the top two teams in the league. So that's going to make it that much harder. You're going to have to be that much better because we know that... uh, Uh, for a long time the Atlantic with Florida State and Clemson they were pretty much the the class of the ACC uh, for a while so now for North Carolina you know having to get through the pits and the Dukes and some of those teams it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them this defense is going to have to be uh, average at least in my estimation and definitely you're going to have to start with Sacks and turnovers. I mean, this defense last season, you look at them as a unit, only 17 sacks on the season for this defense. That is not going to get the job done. You only forced five fumbles and nine, or five fumbles that you recovered and nine interceptions on the season. That number's got to change as well because we know that if you have a quarterback to the caliber of a Drake May you want to get him as many possessions in a football game as you possibly can and so they've had guys that leave through uh, that have left through attrition. When you go look at the secondary, which was last in the ACC and pass defense, uh, they've got some guys coming in there. Elijah Huzzy from East Tennessee State had 120 or 179 tackles, 12 interceptions, and 30 pass breakups in four seasons at East Tennessee State. So he's ex- he is expected to come in and provide a presence. Armani Chapman from Virginia Tech is another veteran that's going to rotate with guys like Marcus Allen. And uh, that safety group should be stronger as well with uh, Antavis Lane. Stick, they like to call him. That's going to be one of the great nicknames in college football. 223 tackles he had with 11 interceptions in three seasons as well. Those are stats that you cannot sneeze at, too. So they've gotten some reinforcements in the secondary, perhaps some addition by subtraction because you lose uh, guys like Storm Duck. And uh, Tony, uh, what was his name, Fitty? Grimes. Tony yeah, Grimes. Grimes. Yes, yes. Tony Grimes is gone as well. So we'll see if this overhauled secondary can make plays, but it's got to start up front uh, with the pass rush. Fitty, what are you? Oh, I was going to ask Fitty real quick. What did he see uh, in this defense and how improved do you think they'll be this season?
4: The, the, the problem, I think, with Carolina's defense is that. There's only two players on the unit that you love, and they're they're your two linebackers and Power Eccles and Cedric Gray, arguably maybe the second best linebacking duo in the conference behind Clemson's. You could argue maybe NC State is a tad better, but and the problem is is that they cover up a lot of mistakes, but they can't cover up everything. This defensive line has been non-existent for almost a decade. I mean, you're talking about pass rushing numbers that like a group of five schools are surpassing. The secondary, the inability to cover and make plays on the ball, that was a problem when Gene Chizik was here the first time. And so, you know, I I think Cayman Rucker, he's moving to that jack spot on the defense. That's going to be a much more natural fit. Javari Ritzy's listed second on the depth chart behind Miles Murphy, who was nowhere near as good as a Miles Murphy at Clemson. I think he's poised for a type of breakout type of season because if they don't improve up front – I don't see how this defense takes a step forward.
3: All right. So if we try to balance the scales, right, I asked how good this defense has to be because they won nine games. They faltered in the last month of the season, but they were still a good football team by any measure. Not fantastic, but still a good football team that got to the ACC championship with what was a horrendous defense. So if the defense gets a little better, you do expect the offense to take a little bit of a step back, I would imagine. Because you don't have Josh Downs. We'll see how good the offensive line is this year. If they improve, maybe that loss is mitigated. But the defense does have to get to some kind of average play. You look at their schedule, and I'm looking at the quarterbacks that they have to go up against. Because they didn't get after the passer at all last year. They were last in sacks. They were among the worst teams in all of college football. Again, not just the ACC. So you have Spencer Rattler in the season opener. Fascinating QB to be going against week one. Because this is someone... That only stepped up really in the big time matchups they had at the end of the season, but it took a long time for him to get cooking. You had the game against Arkansas at the beginning, big old break between productive outings, and then you get to Clemson, then you get to Tennessee. Does North Carolina allow him to pick up where he left off last season? Or does Spencer show us that he was actually a little bit more of the quarterback that we saw in the middle portion of the year? You go against App State, they're transferring. They've got new QBs over there. You're talking about Minnesota. I don't know about their quarterback situation, but I haven't heard a lot of great things. So we'll see. I'm still going to give the advantage to some of the other schools that they're going to face. Garrett Schrader, Syracuse, Van Dyke in the middle of the season for Miami. You're really going... Bang, bang, bang at the end of the season with Riley Leonard, Duke, the third to last game of the year, Cade Klubnick, who I expect to be a good QB this year, on the road, and then you have NC State on the road. Brennan Armstrong, a full season under his belt with Robert and I the second time around. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's what I'm interested in. Does it take a long time for North Carolina's defense to to get back on track. Do they ever figure it out, one? And if they do, I do think there is a benefit there that they face some of the better quarterbacks, especially consecutively, at the very end of the season. So they do have some time, a little, not a lot, but they do have some time to try to figure this thing out.
2: Eric McLean of the ACC Network was on the Kyle Bailey show on Monday. Let's hear his take on what the UNC defense needs to do to be successful in 2023.
1: biggest adjustment I need to see, um, if you really want to pinpoint it, into this defense that was the worst in the ACC
2: statistically. They've got to get after the quarterback. They have to get tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Tackles for loss and sacks have to improve for this defense. Yeah, and so I start with when we talk about an X factor for this defense that I think could really help take them to the next level is Desmond Evans. I mean, I know UNC fans have been waiting on this guy for so long, so much potential he's had. He came out of high school, out of Lee County High School, Five-star prospect, State's number one player, the nation's top-ranked defensive end, and the nation's second-ranked player overall, according to ESPN. And he was in the ESPN 300, but they just haven't seen the production from him yet. A tackle for loss and 25 tackles is what he registered last season. He's got the size dimensions, 6'6 and almost uh, a half, 275 this is a guy that a lot of people thought could be the second coming of some of those great defensive linemen that they've had at North Carolina. So if he can have a breakout season and finally get on the map and make some plays, I think that would be huge for for them because obviously we've talked about the fact that the pass rush is not there and it's definitely got to start up front with those defensive ends and Desmond Evans is a great candidate for a player who could really help make them a better unit. Yeah, To put a bow on
3: this, I don't think anybody disagrees. It starts up front. It starts with your defensive line, if this is going to be better. We've talked about the secondary. It's been a little lackluster. I think a lot of those issues get cleaned up with a better pass rush. It's hard to play in a defensive backfield that has absolutely zero pass rush. So even if you think guys like Grimes or Storm Duck underperform based off the talent you expected them to come in with, man, you can put some really good cornerbacks in a secondary that allows, what? The quarterback to get like five seconds to throw every time it's going to be tough to stick with the wide receiver for that entire time if you get more pressure on the quarterback it's going to help a lot and the real question is this defense is going to be better it just can't be as bad as it was last year it was so bad barring injuries with that linebacker duo that is going to only get a year better i trust that linebacker duo to still be a very good tandem i know that this defense is going to get better the question is do they get so much better to where maybe they can take a step back on offense and still compete for the ACC championship? That I'm not as sure about.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're optimistic about this unit because I don't see them being terribly better than they were. They may improve just a little bit, but I would be very surprised if they. But are unless they could be
3: second to last better. in all these categories and be better. That's the okay. point, right? <laughs> you know, that's saying, a good like, caveat. This is, this is the point, right? That's like, a good caveat. You know, like they, they, this is my point. It all goes to the they can't be any worse because they were literally the worst in so many different categories. That's why I feel so confident that they're going to be better. But that's the question. Are they going to get to a point where they're so much better that they can have a little bit more margin for error in other areas? Because
2: they didn't. They didn't have any margin for error last year. Because if they could get to middle of the pack, I mean, that would be a tremendous, tremendous improvement. But uh...
5: McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McKrispy, only at McDonald's
0: ba da ba 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 life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits, no skips learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you so long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: Swagger, Sagebrush. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Howard Lee, he has it! Touchdown, Carolina! And your biggest heartbreaks. 50! No, he's not! Yes! He- The option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Down, sleep for the end zone, and he got it. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. Yo.
2: Welcome back, folks, as the bells sound over your speakers. It is football season officially as college football, ACC football to be exact starts tonight. A couple of games on the slate, Elon and Wake Forest, NC State and UConn. But we are talking about the North Carolina Tar Heels. Don't forget to hit up that text line 704-570-9610. We're going to go down the schedule. You know how we do. We break it down into quarters and tell you what we think the Tar Heels will do in 2023. Walker, I'm going to let you start this thing off. Let's go through the first quarter of that North Carolina schedule. What do you think? All right. So
3: we start off with the hardest one in this quarter, in my opinion. Pittsburgh's going to be tough, too. But South Carolina, North Carolina, it's a tough one. At Bank of America Stadium, with Spencer Rattler being so inconsistent for the most part, and and maybe even just bad until we got to the end of the regular season for him and even beyond, that's going to be a big question. Can Carolina's defense get to Spencer Rattler enough to make sure we, we see the bad Spencer Rattler? I think North Carolina wins and I don't feel good about it. I, I, I don't feel good about it at all. I think the Tar Heels end up getting that victory over South Carolina just because I think Drake may Even with Spencer being good and talented and someone that we thought was going to be in the Heisman mix, it's still been a long time since we've seen that guy consistently. Even with Drake May faltering at the end of last year, I don't think we see that again. Not certainly for that big of a stretch. I think Drake May is coming out hungry. I do expect him to be better this year. And so I'm going to go with North Carolina in the season opener. I have them beating App State. I have them beating Minnesota, too. If you look at Minnesota, they're going undergoing a lot of change on offense. So you're talking about a different QB. You're talking about losing, or excuse me, you're talking about a different running back. They're all-time leading rusher, by the way. No longer there. You're talking about three interior offensive linemen that are gone from last year's nine-win team. So if you think their offense can get one over on the Carolina's defense, th- that's actually going to be one that might be mitigated a little more so. So give me Carolina winning that game. And then on the road against Pittsburgh, hearing a lot of pit hype, Wes. You know, the nard dog, he just keeps churning out winning seasons up there it's showing in Pittsburgh. That's just how it is. And so that one's going to be tough for me as well. I think on the road, Carolina loses. Give me a 3-1 start to the season. They beat South Carolina. It's a real tone setter. You feel good. They follow that momentum to a 3-0 and start. But Pittsburgh, maybe I'm buying the hype. And we've seen Narduzzi do this time and time again. Despite not having the flashiest of players in the world, he turns out winning season. Uh, winning seasons. Pittsburgh gets the win. Carolina starts 3-1. and one.
2: All right. So when it comes to the Tar Heels through the first quarter of the season, I have them going 3-1. and one. When you talk about the South Carolina matchup, this is the 60th matchup between these two. Carolina leads the series 35-20-4. They are 16-9-2 when playing in Charlotte. So I'm going to take the Tar Heels to get it done. I think Drake May playing at home. Even though Carolina's quarterbacks, Marquise Williams didn't play great when he came home to play (laughs) in Charlotte as well. So hopefully Drake May can have better results. Sam Howe also, he played decent when he came here, but they weren't able to come out on top in that game. But I'm going to go with Drake May to break the curse and get it done. Well,
3: Larry Fedora just needs to hand the ball off to Elijah Hood on Saturday and they'll be fine.
2: Right. (laughs) Right. Then uh, App, I'm going to go with that. I think App coming off that 6-6 and season, we talked a lot about them uh, not being too sure about the quarterback as of yet. So we got to see a lot more from App before I think they can take out the Tar Heels. They played a thriller last season. Minnesota, we will see them tonight as well. They take on Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken. They do. Uh, But I think Carolina has enough to beat P.J. Fleck. I think that program is in a state of flux uh, with all the stuff that P.J. Fleck has going on. And then Pitt, again, like you just talked about. I think this team uh, has the magic elixir Especially at home, when you talk about a Carolina offensive line that gave up 40 sacks, four starters are back off that line, not to say that they won't be better, but this is a pit team that had 48 sacks last year, second in the ACC. They're going to be coming and coming big time for Mr. Drake May. I've got Carolina three and one. All right, so same. First. I thought you might go two and two. I was interested to see if you're gonna <laughs> have them go two and two.
3: But you stayed true to your word. You didn't have North Carolina losing every single game, and you've got them starting off <laughs> three and one. Yep, they'll what, get excited about that. All right, what do we have for the next four?
2: All right, so the next four against Syracuse. When you talk about uh, again, they come to Chapel Hill, which is always an advantage to play at home. But this is the Syracuse defense that was third last year in total defense in the ACC, and then scoring-wise, they were also in the top six, giving up around 23.1. I think defensively, they have eight starters coming back on that defense. I've got Syracuse coming into Chapel Hill and winning that. There it is. Taking an L. Then I've got Miami. You know what I said? This year, uh, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid just a little bit. I think that uh, Ball is building this team the right way through the trenches. I think they're going to be nasty up front. They've got some really good defensive linemen, whether you talk about Leonard Taylor or Akeem Mesador up front. That O-line is going to be big, dirty, and nasty. So I think that the Canes get the job done there. Then Virginia, I think Carolina beats them back-to-back seasons, got them getting the win there and beating Georgia Tech to go two and two.
3: Okay, so this is when it starts to get dicey for Carolina, according to one Wes Bryant. And I actually might be going the exact opposite direction. So Syracuse is where we'll lead off here. Syracuse is going through a lot of change this season. If you talk about a couple of coordinating handoffs, one on the offense and one on the defense, so the offense, I think, will look somewhat similar, but Robert and I, he's not there. And I value a lot of what Robert and I did, certainly at Virginia. We saw the big definitely old difference.
2: Schrader looking much
3: better. Yeah, he sure did. And guess what? He did that with Brennan Armstrong, too. Uh, Anais, the real deal as an OC. And so now he's an NC state, Syracuse loses him. You lose a couple of defensive leaders on that Syracuse side of things. And we know that Dino Babers only gets up for the Clemson big time games. I don't know how much he gets up for the other big time games. I do not have the upset. Like you do North Carolina takes care of business at home and they've got two other home games, three consecutive right after the first quarter of the season. I heard Josh Graham. We talked with him too at ACC kickoff. He joined Mac and Bone yesterday, and he has Miami being the second best team in the conference this year. You really got to buy into Cristobal improving this squad. Cristobal with Tyler Van Dyke. Is he Van Dimes, or is he Van Dreadful? I don't know. I don't know what Tyler Van Dyke's going to do, but I know that they have a better quarterback with North Carolina, and by this time... I'm hoping Chip Lindsey, Drake May, even the defense, I'm hoping they're starting to figure some stuff out. Granted, same thing with Miami. But the fact that this game's at home, I have Carolina winning. So that means they're off to a 5-1 and one start. And then they beat Virginia. I'm not going to go into that. I just don't expect Virginia to have a bounce-back year. On the road against Georgia Tech, West seems like revenge game to me. think Drake May will be ready to play that game. think so. I really like what they have in Brent Key. Like that, what he did last year, that was pretty incredible. Georgia Tech looked dead in the water, and then he takes over and boom, flips everything on its head, and it helped with a win against North Carolina. You have him going 2-2. Two and two. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm a homer. Call it what it is. Four and 4-0, baby. 4-0 and o in the second <laughs> quarter of the season. I've got him starting 7-1. and one.
2: All right, well, as we finish down the stretch, Campbell, obviously, that's going to be a big win, big feel-good win for them. So that would put them at three in a row. And then uh, to close the season, losses to Duke. Yeah, loss to Clemson.: Oh, yeah, lost to NC State <laughs> to finish six and six. We are going so. Good. I had to take a second to remember because I know I did pick NC State to beat them for a third consecutive season. We are
3: We are going very opposite directions here. The last one is going to look a little more similar, though, so we do have them both beating Campbell. That would be eight and one for me, but you're right. I mean, that is a gauntlet, no doubt. If Mac Brown, if you are going to justify his complaints about the schedule, this is where you look. It's Duke at home, and then it's really even more so Clemson on the road, NC State on the road, back-to-back. Because I look at the schedule elsewhere, I just don't see a ton of difference compared to an NC State that has a tough string of games right in the middle of the season. Duke has a tough string of games in the middle of the season. But with North Carolina finishing the year, and then let's just say they're in contention for an ACC championship, you're talking about a lot of pressure. Then you're talking about three big games really in a row. Which is going to be monstrous. So that that's the only justification for Mac Brown's schedule. Have him beating Campbell. I had North Carolina. I'm trying to think what I had with Duke. I think you. I don't know who I had winning that game. I think I had North Carolina beating Duke, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's correct. I would love to go back and see. I know you I had I think Duke you did winning. too. All right. So I have North Carolina beating Duke. I have North Carolina losing to Clemson. And I know I had NC State winning. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but what I have North Carolina doing is winning against Campbell and then Duke, and then they drop the final two games of the season. They drop against Clemson, they drop against NC State. So you got them 9 and
2: 3, 8 and 4.
3: I have them with uh, a t- yeah, I have them with three losses. Okay. I have them with three losses. The three losses I have are going to be against Pittsburgh on the road. They okay. start 3 and 1 and then eventually they pick up two other losses against Clemson and NC State to end the season. That's what I have. And it's yeah. gonna
2: be tough. It's gonna and then be I tough have end. a finish in six and seven because Drake may won't play in the bowl game and they'll lose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's realistic. That's no shade. I sure. mean, Drake Mays not going to play in the bowl game if they're 6-6. Six six.
3: I love Bagel Guy's text because he's so right to call me on this. Can we figure out if all of Walker's record predictions are mathematically possible? Hashtag Homer. It's a great point. And
2: I then how have... do I – the 9-8-0 the, the number. How do I sound like a clown? For every one of Carolina's losses, I presented you with stats and facts to let you know why I think said team will win. Less. that defense. Did you go not... into depth? What was your – I did. I said Pitt, for one, they are uh, – They were the third best or the second best sack team in the ACC last year. I said at home they're going to play well and we know Narduzzi's defense they bring the pass rush I said Syracuse was also top three four in the league in total defense but they lost they lost some stuff on defense for sure they got eight guys coming back though yeah but they lost their
3: leaders they have a new defensive
2: coordinator coming in so they still got got some good players but I I I think Syracuse defensively and then Schrader coming in I think they can get that done I said with Miami I think they're building up front defensively that D-line is going to be a donkey Miami talk about Lezador Leonard Taylor, uh, some of those guys, they brought in a really good uh, linebacker, Mayoga, I think his name was, from Washington State. So I just think up front Miami's going to be able to uh, do damage against the Tar Heels because offensively he's brought in some really big-time offensive linemen. And then I said, you know, Duke and Clemson, those are obvious with the way I feel about Duke and the way I feel about Clemson. And then I said NC State as well. We'll see what their offense is coming with. We know what NC State represents defensively. And they have to go to Raleigh. Um, Fiddy,
3: as much as I understand the answer to this Hold question, on. I feel like hearing a compliment here. Whose schedule do you agree with the most? What record do you agree we with know.
4: the most? I mean, it's it's definitely Walkers because it was credible. Like, West teased going to break. We're going to pick the record, and I'm not going to show any bias. How am
2: I being biased?
4: If North Carolina loses at home to Syracuse, someone's ass better be fired. (laughs)
2: Like
4: it's 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 we have Drake May, the second best quarterback in the country. We're going to lose to Garrett Schrader and Dino Babers
2: and an offensive line that gave up 40 sacks and going up against one of the better defenses in the league.
4: Yeah, I mean, like, I cool. That's yeah, they 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 got defense, great defensive players. If 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 North Carolina loses at home to Syracuse, and y'all have no defense. And so, and then someone should be someone should be fired. Like if you would have had them seven and five, eight and four, like I could see it losing. I mean, they 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 beat Duke last year on the road. You think Duke's gonna come to Keenan and beat North Carolina? I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I'll say this. If if it
3: goes according to Wes, then you're talking about the other team getting the benefit of the doubt, except for South Carolina in every instance, for sure. And look, I was doing the same thing, right? Like in a lot of different areas, I was more so giving it to Carolina. I gave Pittsburgh that win because I do think Pittsburgh, it's just, Pittsburgh's always going to sneak up on people, and then NC State. I gave to NC State just because Carolina. It's just not. They don't have much success against them. I did have them beating Duke, though. You know, Duke's going to be fascinating, but I do love what they have out there on the roster. So we'll see how it all unfolds. Homer week for the ACC. Walker mail. It's complete. Let's put a bow on this ACC homerism because, uh, yeah, I was I was happy about every single one of these schedules to be honest with you. And that'll be it. All right. Sounds good. Why yeah, so, uh, Move on. Go yeah
2: man. But I just had to, you know, let you know that. No bias at all. I mean, I think they do have Drake May, but there are some holes there. We'll see. That's why they uh, make the predictions, and that's why we are prognosticators.